Hi, this is Gina Versa, Waffle Press Podcast, and we have a very special episode um, today. Um, first off, I have my co-host, Diego Crespo. Hello, thanks for having me on our podcast. Yes, yeah, this is a, a great podcast. Um, and we have a special guest with, guest with us from Legion M, Jeff Anderson. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Oh, and um, yeah, Jeff, uh, thank you for joining us. Seeing Legion M, I remember watching Colossal and seeing the uh, seeing some of the information uh, on the crowdfunding on that. And um, I got to meet um, Rob um, from from Legion M at San Luis LA Comic Con, and we were talking and just telling him about the podcast and. He was giving me a little information, and he uh, recommended that you be on. So it's you know it's great to have you join us this evening. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I, I love that you met us with Colossal. That was our very first project, and it, it occupies a very special place in my heart and in the 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 history and lore of the Legion. Yeah. And um, just going off of that, uh, Jeff, can you tell us and the listeners a little bit about? starting the organization. Um, I believe you started it in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. We started it. We launched in, uh, uh, I think it was March and the company was founded in March of 2016. And, uh, it's, uh, we're the world's first fan owned entertainment company. And what that means is we're an entertainment company. Sometimes typically we act like a production company or maybe a film financier in some cases, uh, conceivably like a studio at some point, but we invest, develop, produce movies and TV shows and uh, virtual reality or virtual reality. Um, mm -hmm. And what makes us really different is that uh, unlike most entertainment content, which is funded by, you know, Wall Street investors uh, or wealthy individuals, uh, we get our money source um, is the fans. We are literally owned by fans. It's kind of like if you took everybody at Comic-Con and actually, you know, we're getting bigger now. So it's mm -hmm. we're <laughs> a bigger and bigger Comic-Con. And we all kind of pulled our money and said, hey, let's make a let's make a, a entertainment company of our own. And um the idea behind it is, uh, you know, if you've got an entertainment company that is owned by fans, when your movie comes out or your TV show is about to release, you've got a huge competitive advantage because you've got a baked in audience that is going to be paying attention. And, you know, you know that they're going to come out opening night and see it uh, and they're going to bring their friends. They're going to be talking about it on social media because it's their movie uh, or it's their uh, TV show. And so. Back in March of 2016, um, you know, this was just kind of an idea. There were some laws that changed uh, the, the Jobs Act uh, that was implemented in 2016. And that's what kind of precipitated the whole thing. But, uh, you know, we launched it almost three years ago and uh, it was just kind of an idea. And today, you know, we've grown it. We've got over 15,000 investors. We've got over 75,000 people in our community. And we've had the opportunity to work on projects with people like Anne Hathaway and Nicolas Cage and Kevin Smith and Stan Lee. And, um, you know, so we're very excited about, uh, about where it's headed. Definitely. Yeah. And it's been uh, really great to see it grow as well. The, um, you know, Mandy, which you um, invested in last year, just seemed to take the world by storm as well. And got, um, got the Legion M name out there as well. 
Yeah, no, that was a that was a huge one for us, and it's 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 funny that that whole uh, that whole movie is. I mean, it's such a unique movie. His fist closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. I think it's such a special movie, um, but and it's it it really has been you know fantastic, and we were very fortunate to invest in that project very early on, um, and you know it's something that we like. Uh, we actually created a, a new brand for it, which was Legion Midnight, uh, mm. and the reason is is because you know it is a very unique movie, um, and it's not a movie for everybody, and we acknowledge that you know. But yeah. one of the cool things about having a company that's owned by fans is that we believe it gives us a lot more leeway uh, to work with creators and allow them to go outside of the box uh, um, uh, a little bit. If you look at the Hollywood today, this, you know, all the content the studios uh, produce, um, it tends to be very risk averse, right? It's all, um, uh, based on existing IP, you know, there are these massive movies with these massive stars. And, you know, when a movie like Mandy comes along, which is completely different uh, and really kind of breaks the mold of a lot of things, I think that that's a much more challenging film for uh, traditional Hollywood to uh, accept and to make. And uh, the folks over at SpectraVision, I mean, it's their project and they, um, they they were the producers of the whole thing, and we were lucky enough to get involved with them, and they they brought us into the movie. But we love the idea of uh, working with up and coming creators like Panos Cosmatos to, mm -hmm. you know, go outside the box and experiment a little bit and do you know fringe and make midnight movies because that's that's what what helps propel the art forward. Yeah, and, you know, uh, movies like Mandy are really hard to come by now as well. I mean, you know, you have a lot of um, independent film and you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of, uh, you know, in uh, movies where they're crowdfunded, but they're not as crazy as Mandy, I will say that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's definitely a risk. And, you know, we knew that we were taking a risk with Mandy. Um, and yeah, I mean, we were very fortunate and, you know, Panos is, is very talented and the risk paid off, but, um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not necessarily an easy decision because you know, you, it, you, every movie, like every production, it, everybody starts off with the intent of making an amazing movie, mm -hmm. but by default it doesn't always work out right i mean you know yeah. you can just see i mean by definition i should say not by default but by definition you know only 10 percent or 15 percent you know go on to become great movies and uh you know probably more than half turn out to be mediocre movies um or worse right. and so you know when we saw the script and uh we saw panos's first work uh beyond the black rainbow uh -huh. um we saw, uh, you know, we knew that Nicolas Cage was attached and that Johan Johansson was going to do the, uh, the soundtrack. And we thought, you know what, there's the right mix of chemistry here. Um, and so, you know, if we get lucky, it'll work out. And, um, but I got to tell you, like, it's, it can be unnerving. The first time that we saw the film was at Sundance when it premieres, when it premiered. And that's really the first time 
anybody saw the movie because they actually flew. Um, they were working on it up to the last minute wow. and they flew it from an editing bay in Belgium and met the like projectionist for Sundance in a Starbucks parking lot in Park City <laughs> so they could hand over the DCP <laughs> so they yeah. could show it that night. And so if you think about it like that, there's a movie that represented years of Panos's life. You know, mm-hmm. he, he wrote it, he eat, you know, ate and, and dreamt and, and slept it and breathed it. Um, all of the hundreds or thousands of people that were involved and that worked in it, all of the uh, investors and financiers and the production company, uh, Elijah Wood's uh, SpectraVision mm-hmm. and all that. And, you know, it all comes down to this one moment where the, the, the movie plays on the big screen for the first time and, you know, the rubber meets the road and the audience sees it. And, you know, at the end, hopefully they like it. And, um, you know, we were very fortunate, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a truly unique scenario. If you ever go to Sundance or if you go to, you know, Cannes Film Festival or one of these big markets where things are premiering, it is such an amazing thing because, you know, that moment, that, that, that 90 minutes in a darkened theater is what, you know, makes or breaks the last you know, four years of somebody's life. Um, And it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, at con, you know, the, um, there's been a lot of booing as well. So it's, I know. Well, yeah. yeah, And that's, and that's kind of the scary thing. And I think that's why, like, you know, it takes a special class of person as a creator to be able to put themselves out, you know, so far, you know, I mean, we, we invested and it was a risk for us, but I mean, for us, you know, it was a relatively small risk. Like we don't have a ton of money in it. Um, it's, it's, it was a very important movie for us because uh, as a, as a new emerging company, I think a lot of people look at the movies that we've done and because, you know, we've only done a handful so far, like they, they, they take a very um, large significance because people want to judge you and they want to evaluate based on the work that you've done. And so, you know, it was a pretty big risk for us because had that movie been terrible and had everybody hated it, you know, and this was the, the, the third movie that we had come out, you know, as Legion M um, like that would make things much more difficult for us to convince us that, Hey, yeah, you know, you should come along for the ride. But uh, you know, thankfully, thankfully it went the other way. And, you know, hats off to Panos and hats off to um, the SpectraVision team. And frankly, any <laughs> director, writer, mm-hmm. creator, you know, that goes out and puts themselves that far out there to risk, you know, being booed for everything that you've, all the, the heart and soul that you've put into something for, you know, four years or six years is incredible. Oh, exactly. And um, just going off of um, that, where you talked about risk, um, you said that, you know, as a company, you try to make films that are unique, that are tr- that are not seen before. How, as um, as the you know co the founder of um, Legion M, uh, co-founder, um, how does that? Do you ever feel like? How does it work as a business model? Um, do you ever find it difficult to this idea of you know these crazy ideas to get them like heard and seen? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think if you look at Hollywood today, um, like I said, you know, look at the box office for 2019 and or 2018. And what you'll see is that, you know, most of the top 10 or most of the top 20 movies are franchises. 
right? It's, it's Marvel movies, it's Star Wars, it's, you know, Fast and Furious 12, and, you know, all of these amazing franchises. And, you know, there's a lot of really, truly amazing franchises right now. I mean, the work that Marvel is doing is absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. But, um, you know, if you go back 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. If you go back 20 years ago the top, and look at the top 20 box office, it was mostly original stories. And the reason that that is, is because, you know, Hollywood at the end of the day is a business. Um, You know, most people like we think of Hollywood, like the art side of it, but at the end of the day, it's a business. And for a studio that's putting tens of millions of dollars, I mean, a major motion picture is going to cost you, you know, typically tens of million dollars. There's some, there's some um, examples that break the rule uh, in independent film, but Mm -hmm. um, um, if you're going to put that much money at stake, you need to feel confident that you're going to be able to get it back. And the formula that the studios have evolved to today that works, the surest way that you can make money in Hollywood is you start with an established franchise because you know that there's a baked in fan base. You make a big movie and you put massive stars in it because every one of those stars has a fan base and they're going to turn out to see it. And then you spend hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, you know, oftentimes almost as much as it took to make the movie, to market the movie worldwide. So everybody in the world knows what it is. Um, and, and incidentally, it's got to be a movie that works worldwide because today America is no longer the largest movie audience in the world it's china and so um you know that's why action movies uh, you see so many of them because that translates that that same movie an action sequence works in france and it works in china and it works in india and it can work all over the world whereas uh comedy is very difficult because cultures have very different senses of humor and so uh anyway so that's that's the model that they've come up that works and i've heard you know big name directors say it's more risky for a studio to invest 20 million dollars into a project that's an original story than it is for them to invest a hundred million dollars in you know a massive summer tentpole because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether Fast and Furious 17 is good or bad. There's a core audience that's going to come out and see it no matter what. So that's kind of what makes Hollywood. That, that's the model as it is today. What's really interesting about Legion M is that we have a large audience as well that is invested in us. But they're invested in the company. Like they're part owners of the company. And, and so they're, you know, in a sense, paying attention and they're invested, they're emotionally invested in all the projects that we do. And, you know, right now, like I said, we're only three years old. We've got about 75,000 people in our community and we've got about 15,000 investors who've actually invested and own a piece of the company. Our long term goal, if you look at our logo, is and it's an M with a bar over, it, which is the Roman numeral for one million. And that's because our long-term goal for the company is to have 1 million fans as shareholders of the company. And we believe that if we could achieve that, you know, that, I mean, right now the typical investor is putting in maybe four or $500. So if we could achieve 1 million investors, we'd have four to $500 million. We have hundreds of millions of dollars to develop these projects. And more importantly, we'd have a million people standing behind them when they come out. And we believe that that is the potential recipe for um, a company that could be one of the most influential companies in Hollywood. And unlike traditional Hollywood, has the latitude 
to go outside the box and to back original stories because, you know, our fan base is going to turn out. We want to not just service, you know, an old franchise. We want to create a new franchise, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and create new IP. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. We were talking to Dean Devlin. Uh, we did a project mm-hmm. with Dean Devlin, who was the creator of Stargate and mm-hmm. Independence Day with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as leverage and the librarians. I mean, this is a guy who's created franchises and he'll straight up say, he'd say in today's world, Star Wars would never get made. Indiana Jones would never get made. You know, they might take the story, the original story from Star Wars and theme it with something that already exists out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he tried, when he did Independence Day, um, the studios, I think, um, uh, told him that, well, yeah, this would be great, but we can't try and do Independence Day. We got to make it War of the Worlds, right? You have to tie it to something that already exists. And so, um, anyway, so I, I, we think that for so many reasons, a company owned by fans just makes sense. And we believe that it gives us these huge competitive advantages uh, compared to a company that's owned by Wall Street or corporate investors and is just you know solely run by dollars and cents. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, I heard that Dean was a really big Star Wars fan. And no, that's, um, you know, that's, you know, Star Wars original property as well. I mean, imagine it in the 2000s where, you know, you have such discourse as well on, you know, fandom. I, I would think it would be, you know, I, yeah, I don't know how well it received as well. Yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. And, you know, I mean, again, I love the franchise. I went and saw Captain Marvel last night and I really okay. loved it. And, I'm, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, I grew, I grew up with Star Wars. Um, I saw, you know, what was kind of an interesting case study was uh, uh, Alita, uh, Alita Battle Angel when it came out a couple of yes. years ago. Yes. Yes. I, I really enjoyed that movie. It actually kind of flopped in the U.S., uh, but fortunately, yeah. China, China and true. Asia saved it. So I feel very confident that there's going to be a sequel uh, to that, which is clearly intended to be a franchise. And it's, it's already an existing franchise. But, but I think that that movie is going to be back um, uh, because of the success that it has in Asia. But again, I mean, you're talking about James Cameron here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like... And in- trying to launch mm-hmm. this new property, and it's so difficult today uh, to do it, just because there's so many different options uh, for things for you to watch. There's so few reasons to get up off of your couch and go into the theaters, as opposed to just you know watch something on Netflix. I'm I'm really curious. I know uh, getting a little off topic, but what is your um, what is your take on Alita and just kind of the um, as like as it how it got. Uh, marketed and how it was as a movie you know so i loved it as a movie i i I truly enjoyed it um i loved the characters i loved the story i thought it was really strong and powerful um i mean visually obviously it's stunning jeff Um, welcome to the waffle press (laughs) (laughs) i think we are the biggest alita fans in in the world yeah I earned my waffles this morning. That's, yes, uh, you did. That's fantastic. Now, I have to say, I knew nothing about the series going in. Like, I've never read the, you know, I've never read the... The uh, manga? The com- yeah, the, yeah. The, the manga comic books. And uh, um, all I saw, the very first trailer that I saw, I'm like, oh my God, this looks terrible. Like, this freaky, <laughs> freaky big eyes, like, and I didn't understand it. <laughs> 
And I thought, okay, this looks like a dud. And then the second trailer came out, you know, the full trailer that told a little bit more of the story. And, and I thought, wow, you know, this could really be something. And uh, when it came out, like I, I actually made an effort to go see that movie just because mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to see it. I wanted to see it in theaters. I saw it myself, you know, cause I, I didn't have anybody who was going with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I couldn't talk my daughters into go seeing it. You know, uh, I have kids and, uh, you know, yeah. I took I took one of them to see Captain Marvel, and she was all over that. You know, awesome. Like, oh, let's go see. You know, this Alita Battle Angel. Ah, I don't know. I don't really get it. So, uh, but yeah, I I actually uh, I I really loved it, and I look forward to seeing more of 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 that world. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, this film that took like Cameron, like geez, like twenty twenty years to make. Oh, did it really? I I don't even um, know the story behind it. Was it was it a twenty year process for him to get it made? Well, in like a 20 year process where it's like he found like, I, th- I believe Del Toro showed him um, the Magna in the uh, 90s. He got really interested. He wrote like three or four vo- versions of the script with various screenwriters. And I think like 2005 or sometime in the 2000s, he's developing it and he's also developing Avatar. And he had to choose between the two and he chose Avatar. And maybe a couple years ago, he was still interested in making it. And, you know, of course, he's still doing Avatars as well yes. so he handed it off to the the uh, the great robert rodriguez and he uh he just you know took to it like water or fish to water so yeah yeah, yeah. i love rodriguez too and diego's a big fan of robert rodriguez as well yeah, oh yeah and, you know it was funny i and again i i didn't know too much about this movie like i didn't even realize that it was robert rodriguez when i saw the credits i'm like Wait a second, the El Mariachi guy? Like, like that's <laughs> really impressive. <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, if you just look, because like I'm old enough to remember when El Mariachi came out. And, oh, you geez. know, like it's yeah. like, oh, look at this, you know, aspiring young Mexican director that you know made this movie for fifty dollars and uh-huh. <laughs> you know turned it into a hit. But uh, yeah, who... yeah, he's 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 remarkable as well. And I love obviously Guillermo del Toro. He's actually. Uh, he was another very early meeting that we had with the Legion. Really? We, were, we were fortunate enough, and again, this was just random circumstances, and we knew somebody that knew somebody, and uh, we went to the Bleak House um, mm-hmm. and uh, got a chance to spend like an hour and a half with him. We flew down wow. on like a Sunday because he had an opportunity, and we're like, yeah, no problem. And uh, um, But he was very supportive of what we're doing, and uh, he loved the idea of a fan-owned company. And, and again, it's just... That's actually one of the things that, you know, a lot of people don't recognize is that uh, one of the advantages that I think that we've got one of our superpowers is because we're owned by fans. When we talk to somebody like a Stan Lee or Guillermo del Toro, um, we're not coming to them as, you know, hey, we're some corporate conglomerate. We want to do this project with you to make a bunch of money. We're coming. We're literally saying we are a group of your fans that have pooled our our money together and we want to do something with you. And you would be amazed at how many doors that opens. And particularly for people like Guillermo and, and Stan, the people that have enough money and frankly, they can do whatever they want to. You know, there's no shortage of people that wanted to work with Stan. Uh, when he was alive and, and, and Stan could literally just choose whatever project he wanted to get involved with. Uh, but when you come as a group of fans uh, united, that's something that most creators that we've met with today um, really resonates with them. And so it's uh, uh, the bigger we get kind of, you know, the more powerful that that lever becomes. And, and we're excited to see where we take it from here.
Oh, of course. And going off of that, um, let's talk a little bit about crowdfunding because I, I just find it like so fascinating um, where in the business model as well of having fans like almost have like a piece of like a film that they're contributing to where they have a say, they have a voice, um, you know, from when Kickstarter first debuted like these couple couple years ago, how, what, what, what was the process of like, of uh, using crowdfunding to, to just make fans involved? It, it's, I mean, it's the whole basis of our company. And, you know, like I said, at the very outset, we, you know, bill ourselves as the world's first fan owned company. And what makes it possible are these new laws that for the first time allow fans to not just back a project, right? Kickstarter has been around. I love Kickstarter. In fact, actually we're about to launch a Kickstarter um, uh, that, that I'll be able to talk about when we talk about girl with no name, but uh, um, we're um, uh, huge fans of Kickstarter, but I mean, Kickstarter is a donation based platform, uh, which means that you can back a project and you can get a t-shirt or you can get your name in the credits or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you don't own a financial stake in that project. Um, and so as amazing as Kickstarter is, we feel like equity crowdfunding, which for the first time allows you to actually invest and own a stake in that project. So if that project is successful, you can actually make money from it. Um, we think that that kind of, it, it, it turns it up to like 11 because it's just so much more holistic to be able to go out to fans and say, not just, we want you to support us to make this dream come true, but to say, we want you to truly be a part of it. And if you help us make this dream come true and it's, you know, financially successful, like you're a part of it, not just in an honorary sort of way, like you mm -hmm. were one of our early backers, but you actually have shares in the company um, that could become extremely valuable. And uh, so, you know, I, I, Paul and I come from a startup world. This is the third company that, that the two of us have co-founded. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one was really successful. We started that when there were three of us. There was one other co-founder. And we started that one working out of um, uh, a spare room in one of the guy's house. And, you know, there were three of us and we had no money and we had no product. And, uh, um, you know, in kind of a, a typical Silicon Valley, you know, story, uh, we... Uh, did one thing and completely failed. And then we did something else and completely failed and did something else and completely mm -hmm. failed. And then, you know, we did something that took off like a rocket and uh, we were the first ones in the world to put live television on a cell phone back in 2003. And, you know, um, suddenly the, the company skyrocketed and we won an Emmy award for innovation in television. And we went from, like I said, three people working out of a spare room to a worldwide company with 400 employees and uh, uh, offices around the world. And we were the, the world leader in uh, television um, uh -huh. outside of the home back in 2003. And again, if you put yourself back in 2003, the only place that you watch television was on a television. There was mm -hmm. no such thing as streaming video. There was no YouTube. Um, there was no, or it, actually YouTube might've been in the very, very first yeah. inception. inception. Like a proto YouTube? Yeah, it was, yeah. And at that time it was literally, it was cat videos and, and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Like we actually talked with YouTube and, and it's, it's kind of a funny story, but we actually had 
some kind of like, I don't know what you call it, lightweight uh, acquisition discussions with YouTube. Like we talked with the guys about potentially buying it, you know, and, oh. and I mean, we were, we were a pretty small company at the time. We had launched Moby TV when that happened. And so, you know, we had a lot of momentum, but uh, um you know, uh, it, it was, I don't know, it was like a year later, they got bought for Google by, <laughs> you know, for like $10 billion yeah. or whatever the amount was. It was, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so, so back in those days and uh, anyway, so, so, so we've been on this kind of startup roller coaster before um, the second company that we founded, it went nowhere. I, I mean, it was in business for eight years. We did some really amazing things. We generated oh. some revenue, some great products, but it never kind of hit that, that inflection point that allowed it to take off. Um, and so that one was winding down around 2016 when, you know, uh, Paul and I um, kind of started to envision um, uh, uh, Legion M. And so uh, anyway, but the whole point of it is, is that, you know, just this idea of being a part of a startup and, you know, being a part of a startup is, again, it's, it's, it's a little bit like the Sundance people, like we're putting ourselves out there. Like we have no idea how this story is going to end. I, you know, we, we've, we're risking our, our, our jobs and our careers and our reputations, you know, because we believe so much that this idea of a fan owned company has the potential to change the world. And I think that the ability to bring other people, to bring fans into that process and to, you know, particularly because our startup is focused on Hollywood and mm -hmm. this idea of, opening the gates of Hollywood and allowing people to come in um, is so powerful and it's so rewarding. And like I said, it's so, you know, uh, it's such a virtuous cycle because you know, the way that we look at it, we try and get you as much backstage access as we can to our projects. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just, we're doing a, a Kevin Smith project, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And we got some set visits that were, uh, that we just, you know, raffled off to our investors. Nice. Uh, free of charge, you know, if you want, you could come and, you know, spend a day on the set uh, with Kevin Smith. Uh, we're about to announce a project and I can't talk about it today, but we're about to announce a project. We're going to have premiere tickets, you know, the red carpet premieres that are usually reserved for VIPs and industry insiders. And so, you know, we're giving up all of our tickets and we're getting a bunch more so that we can bring a whole bunch of just regular fans, you know, to be a part of this Hollywood premiere. And, um, you know, we do a lot of stuff online, like, you know, like we want to take you behind the scenes. We want to give you set visits. We want to let you talk with the directors after bad Samaritan launch, you know, we had an online shindig and you could get on and ask questions to Dean Devlin um, mm -hmm. about the making of the film. And what's great about it is that that is rewarding to all of our shareholders, right? Because it's, it's their cool perks, but from a business standpoint, it's really smart because the more excited you are about, for example, the J and, silent bob reboot yeah. that we're doing with kevin smith the more likely that you are to talk about it online and tell your friends and generate the sort of grassroots buzz frankly that a studio would kill for but money can't buy and so you know it's like the more we give back to the fans the more the fans are excited about the project the more likely the project is to be successful which means that financially there's more money coming back to legion m which means that it makes the fans even you know they get to participate in that because they're they're owners of the company mm -hmm. um and so it's it's it truly is a virtuous circle and 
so I can't say enough about it. You know, people look at equity crowdfunding. It's brand new. It's only been around for a couple of years. And some people look at it, particularly in the finance communities, like, oh, this is just another way to raise money. And to us, like, it's way more than that. This is not a way for us to raise money. This is the foundation of a model that we think has the potential to revolutionize the movie industry. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, just so, in, you know, so interesting just seeing, you know, just seeing what's, you know, what the next film you guys will bring to the general public. And, you know, it's been so interesting with, um, with Colossal, with Mandy. And yeah, I'm really excited to, you know, check out The Girl With No Name to see The Field God of Evil, which, um, yeah, just anthology horror is uh, is our jam, me and Diego. So, Oh, is it really? Oh, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, that's I, perfect. I, think uh, we, I think we need significantly more of it because that gives directors and creators a real opportunity to kind of like tell small stories, but very, uh, I, I personally, I find that horror is one of the more creative genres that's where directors really get to sharpen their teeth in a big yeah. way like something yeah. like mandy might not be full-on horror yeah but there's some very uh shocking imagery i guess yeah we'll call yes. it. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well let's go let's go off of that just to change gears here um let's can we uh let's um segue into uh let's talk a little bit about mandy if that's okay with you joe yeah absolutely yeah i'd, I'd really love to hear about uh maybe Nicholas Cage being able to go full cage because I mean, we're talking about <laughs> yeah. we're talking about fans and Nicholas Cage is also not just one of our great actors but mm-hmm. uh, a big fanboy you know he named his son Kal El mm-hmm. yeah you know, yeah, yeah he's he's got a he's got a big old nerdy heart like the rest of us and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering what your experience was like uh, meeting him he's he's it's funny he is a funny guy like he is he is unto himself like you know he's got this. This I've met a lot of celebrities uh, through Legion M, but Nick Cage is one of those guys that just like lives up to all the hype. Like he is, he is crazy. I, I think I think his his real life persona. Um, and again, like I don't know if at the end of the day, when it's him and his family and friends, you know, alone in their hotel room, if this is if that's him or if this is some some extension of kind of his persona. Um, but I mean, he is absolutely larger than life. You know, it's like when you're, it's totally surreal when you're with him because he's talking to you and you're like, holy shit, like it's Nick Cage because it's not like <laughs> yeah, you know, you see some actors and they're totally different in real life than the characters they portray. I just watched uh, Idris Elba on Saturday. Saturday Night Live. Okay. And, you know, like I know him from The Wire, right? Yeah. And, you know, you see him and he's got, you know, his crazy British accent and like it's just like surreal. But like Nick Cage, it's like you feel like you're in a scene with Nick Cage because he talks <laughs> exactly the same. He's got that intensity when he looks at you and with, 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 with what he does. But, uh, um, yeah, he's, um, uh, we had a lot of fun, uh, with, with Mandy because, and it was a very special project. I think I mentioned this earlier, but we got mm-hmm. involved very early in the process. Uh, we got a, a version of the script when it was in the script stage, Nicholas Cage was already attached. So we already knew that, um, they hadn't shot anything on it. And, um, you know, like I said, we read the script and we thought, wow, you know, this is a wild, crazy script. And um, we saw Panos's first uh, movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, amazing, thought, amazing film. This guy has, he has such an amazing visual style. And I mean, if I'm being completely honest, like Beyond the Black Rainbow is a little bit slow for me. 
Um, but visually it is incredible. And we thought, my gosh, if you could take that sort of visual style and marry it with a plot that's got more action and has a Nicolas Cage in it, like it, it could be something that was truly special. And so, you know, we decided to get involved and, um, you know, so like I said, we went through the whole process and it takes a long time, you know, the whole process. I mean, it, it was nearly a year, I think. Um, and then we found out that it got accepted to Sundance and we're like, holy cow, that's incredible. I mean, getting accepted to Sundance is they, they say statistically it's easier to get accepted to Harvard than it is to get accepted to Sundance because it's wow, extremely wow. competitive. Um, and so when the film got accepted, not just accepted, but it actually opened the midnight movie section. We're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And so, you know, we went to Sundance, Legion M did. And we had a Legion M lounge that was available for all of our shareholders to come hang out. And uh, we had Leonard Malton doing celebrity interviews and we set up, we were live streaming um, and, you know, it was part of the press junket, you know, so all the films, the filmmakers would come by and they'd do their little 15 minute interview with Leonard Malton and we'd stream it to the internet. And then the next one would come and this lounge, you know, was open to anybody. So, I mean, you still have to obviously pay your way to Sundance. We can't pay your way for that, but you know, for so many people, the opportunity to go to Sundance, which is kind of like a bucket list item for a lot of folks and to not just like go and buy tickets and go to movies, but actually have like this Legion M lounge, you know, where you've got a place to hang out. You've got a, a place to mingle with other members of the Legion M community mm -hmm. um, was really special. And so, you know, we had that going on. So we had a lot of Legion M people who were there. Uh, the premiere was, you know, Friday night. It was the very first movie opening the, uh, the midnight section. And, um, and then we had like an after party, and uh, we actually, sorry, it was, it was just before uh, the premiere and we were doing a live stream with um, uh, SpectraVision. So SpectraVision was the production company. We invested mm -hmm. through SpectraVision, but that's Elijah Wood's company. So it's right. uh, Elijah Wood and Lisa Whalen and uh, Daniel Noah. And um, anyway, and those guys are absolutely incredible and we loved working with them and so we were doing again like kind of like what i was saying like let's spend an hour doing a live stream you know with the 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 producers of of uh mandy and um you know the people the legion and people in the audience could ask questions and we had people online submitting questions and all day there you know we were trying to get nicholas cage to come by we're like yeah. oh my god how epic would it be if nicholas cage could you know show up and like crash this live stream and you know but it's impossible because it's nicholas cage right he's gonna <laughs> do what he wants to do right you know and so you know someone's like oh i think we're gonna be able to get him and then we're you know but it's just like you just never know you know and Lo and behold, about three quarters of the way through, you know, there's this kind of sudden rustling and there's this hushed, you know, excitement. And we've got, you know, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 Legion M people in the audience. And we're, we're watching this live stream with Elijah Wood, which is, I mean, that in and of itself is really cool to be talking to producers and talking to Elijah Wood. But, uh, um, and, uh, uh, and lo and behold, it's Nicholas Cage and, and they make their way up to the front and he's got this, this, I, I just see her from the back. It's like this woman with like this luxurious fur coat and this <laughs> long flowing blonde hair. And I'm like, Oh, this must be like his girlfriend or, you know, um, you know, his friend or something like uh -huh. that. And it turns around and it turns out it's not a woman. It's Vince <laughs> Neal, the front man from Motley Crue. And, wow. Uh, 
you know, again, you got to, you know, this is Sundance. So everybody's wearing these, you know, bulky clothes and you can't tell anybody from behind what they were, but this luxurious fur coat and the blonde hair. So, yeah. So Nicolas Cage crashed our, our live stream um, with Vince Neil uh, from Motley Crue. And uh, oh, my God. That's, and that's yeah, and joined in the interview. And, you know, he was there at the party later and he was there at the Q&A. Um, and it just it made for such like an exciting time because it's so fun to be involved like from the get-go right like the people that were part of legion i'm like we were following this like even before it got accepted to sundance and you know to go on to do that and then it premiered at sundance and not only it was it was the best reviewed film at sundance it left sundance with a hundred percent rotten tomatoes rating um and then it went to Cannes and got a five-minute standing ovation at Cannes. And then it premiered. And like you said, it kind of set the world on fire. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, had a, we had a premiere party, um, you know, for the premiere of Mandy that, again, was open to the Legion. You had to buy a ticket. Like, we couldn't, you know, we can't. You're not investing in a company so we can throw parties for our investors. But, mm-hmm. you know, where a, a, a party like that, uh, after party, after the premiere in Hollywood, is the sort of thing that, I mean, those are extremely common and you know, they're VIP only. That's just the way the industry works. But when Legion M's involved, we're like, no, well, hey, let's, let's let some fans in and, you know, yeah. let's help pay for it. You know? So we actually expanded the after party and the way, so that we could accommodate fans and the way that we paid for it was we sold tickets and, you know, we sell sponsorships and all that sort of stuff. So it was pretty, pretty, pretty epic. And, and just to, to be involved from day one with such a, like I said, it's such a, special movie and the fact that there's still like midnight showings of that movie going on around the country i think is really really cool yeah yeah one one last question for you before we go to the next topic um on i believe the uh san lee or excuse me at the uh comic or excuse me la comic-con keeps changing his name you had um some yeah uh, (laughs) yeah my bad um some props um you had cheddar goblin and i'm i'm not to clarify, do you um, will we see any merchandising for Cheddar Goblin? You have yeah, you have, oh yeah. Uh, Actually, if you go to it, yeah, if you go to legionm.com, it, it's relatively new because we just got approval um, from. There were a couple designs that it's funny before the movie came out. Panos and the directors were a little bit leery of leaning into Cheddar Goblin too hard okay. because they were afraid that it might kind of like. I don't know, make the whole thing just seem kind of gimmicky or kind of silly. Now that the movie is out and it's kind of established uh, itself uh, and Cheddar Goblin has like a huge following on Twitter. And, um, you know, so we sold limited edition Cheddar Goblin masks that were literally made by the effects company that created the actual Cheddar Goblin. (laughs) They, They created 50, um, you know, hand numbered autographed, um, uh, masks, uh, of the Cheddar Goblin, uh, like awesome. for Halloween, that that we sold. Uh, we've got a couple T-shirts that are available now, and these are this is kind of like fan art that Pano saw online and said, "I really like this." And we thought, "Well, hey, let's make a T-shirt." And so we reached out to the people that had created it, and you know, they get a, a cut of the proceeds, and uh, you know, so those are for sale. Uh, we've got a ton of great stuff, including my favorite is. Um, we have the, the tiger shirt, uh, that Nicholas Cage wears in the movie, which oh, was yeah. an original design for the movie. And there's actually yeah. kind of a, a, a funny story there. It was the original prop, um, was made from a Texas A&M shirt 
And, you know, what they had done was they had covered up the, you know, Texas A&M logo or, or sorry, not Texas A&M, just Texas. Uh, it's kind of that burnt orange and, um, and, and put the tiger print on top of it. And so it was hell for us to try and find a manufacturer that could manufacture that color orange shirt, um, the, the sleeves on it. Cause that's not like a standard color. And so like, it was actually a lot of work, but we, we found the guys. And so we have that shirt, which is incredible. And it's, it, it, it's got glow in the dark ink. So like the eyes, like, you know, like glow in the dark and <laughs> awesome. it's really kick ass. But you know, if you pay a little bit extra, um, you can get the, uh, the, the, the rage pack, um, which comes with a pair of tidy whities, uh, <laughs> tube socks and an empty vodka bottle that has, again, <laughs> Panos created the brand for the vodka, uh, in that scene. It's diamond dagger vodka. And so it's a screen accurate reproduction of the vodka bottle so that you can have your own full rage uh meltdown in a bathroom with a bottle of vodka. <laughs> it's it's really cool. Oh my god, that's delightful. Uh, I'll put <laughs> I'll put links down to, to that stuff below. Um because I, I feel like the world just needs more of that. Yeah, definitely. Honest. And and that scene, I, I gotta tell you, I mean that scene I think is gonna go in Nicolas Cage's reel as far as his greatest scenes ever. Because like it is so powerful and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's full on. It's like Nick cage playing Nick cage, you know, turned up to like uh, Nick cage, you know, it's, like, yeah. it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, but it's also so powerful and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not just like crazy for the sake of being crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And particularly when you watch it in context, of that uh, of the movie and everything that happens kind of leading up to that point you know that's right after you know obviously you know what happens to mandy happens mm-hmm. and then um and then you see this totally bizarre cheddar goblin commercial and then you know like at that point like you are just ready for a release and that's what um what uh what nick cage gives us and i think it's it's wonderful yeah it's it's an incredible scene it, it really marries the the rage cage that everyone kind of knows and loves, but also I think people forget like the award-winning actor, like yes. genuinely powerful performer that Nicolas Cage is also like, I, I, I think that's often overlooked and yes. I hope we see uh, more of that in the future. He was also very good in Spider-Verse, but in yes. looking, oh, in looking forward gosh, to yeah. the future, yeah. uh, I, I would also like to bring back up your uh, projects that you, you have going forward. Uh, I'm really interested in the the horror anthology stories, the uh, the the field guide to evil. I don't know how much you can say about that yet. Yeah, no. So so that movie uh, that was actually one of our very first investments. We made that investment like two years ago, and um, it's a very special project. So what they did is, you know, they went out to eight, you know, up and coming but award winning directors. So the best of the best kind of up and coming directors around the world. And um, each one of them, there's eight segments and they're each like, I don't know, 15 minutes long. And each one of them is exploring a piece of a myth or dark folklore from their home country. And uh, so it truly is international. Uh, You know, one of the segments is from the United States, um, but there's one from India. Uh, I think there's one from Poland. Uh, I think there's one from like Brazil. Um, I mean, they're literally all over the globe. 
And um, a lot of them are, you know, um, even foreign language. They're like subtitled, um, you know, and so they're shot in their native language. And, you know, the idea is it's kind of like we were talking about how action translates international. Uh, it, it's the same thing with, with horror. I mean, you know, fear is kind of a universal language. And I think that the opportunity to allow these, you know, emerging visionaries to spend a little time, and like you said earlier, cut their teeth maybe on a piece of, of local mythology uh, is absolutely fantastic. It's fascinating. So that movie is going to be coming out soon. It comes out, um, I want to say March 29th, uh, which is in a, a couple weeks. Uh, it's going to be in um, a handful of theaters. It's, it's a day and date release. So I think it's going to be in like 40 or 50 different theaters around the country. Uh, pretty much uh, all the Alma draft houses, I think, will have it. Uh, and then there's, uh, there's a number of other like independent cinemas that will have it. Uh, but it's also on demand at the same time. And so we're going to be promoting that. If you happen to live near uh, a theater, you can go to a Legion of Meetup. And we've worked with Alamo to create a set of very cool limited edition pins. Uh, that site will probably be going live. Um, well, it, it, it should be live by the time that this airs uh, in a day or two. So uh, um uh, you can just go to legionm.com. Uh, I think it's actually legionm.com slash evil. <laughs> and you can get the, uh, you can get the details about how you can come either to an opening night meetup and get a pin, or if it's not playing at a theater near you, it will be on demand. And so, you know, uh, we're trying to work out a system so that if you can't make it to a theater, but you can rent the movie or buy the movie on demand, uh, there's a way for you to get one of these pins. You'll have to just pay the shipping and handling charges. Um, and we've created a cool viewing party kit. So if you want to like watch it and invite some friends over, um, we put together this little kit that's got some cool, you know, it's got some, some little posters from the movie. It's got some, some little fun special things to kind of set the mood. Um, it's got a, a little booklet that has like, um, uh, drink recipes, cocktail recipes from the different directors. So if you want to do some special drinks and snacks and all that sort of stuff, as well as we usually put like information from the movie and some, some little tidbits here and there. And so we're really excited about this one. It's, it's actually kind of fun because, because it's eight different segments, um, you know, it lends itself to a lot of discussion because like when I watch it, I'm like, okay, well, there were these three that I absolutely loved, mm -hmm. you know, and then these are ones that I didn't really care for. I didn't understand or whatever. And so it's really interesting. I think afterwards to contrast and compare and talk with other people and find out what they saw and just, you know, kind of appreciate the film and make it a little bit more than just, you know, a digital experience. I mean, it's, it, it's funny. We live in this day and age. We're completely surrounded by digital media. Like the media is everywhere. It's on our phones. It's on our, um, you know, on our computers and, and you can't, it, it, it's always there, but I think it's always so special when you can kind of add community to that and make it more than just like watching a movie, but make it more like, no, let's get together with friends and make an event out of it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and also on your docket is the the girl with no name, which I also know very little about. And uh, if there's anything you could you could shine on about that, yeah, a girl with no name is so Field Guide to Evil, Mandy, uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, Colossal. These were all other people's projects that we invested in after they were already you know kind of in production uh, or about to be in production. Um. Girl with No Name is kind of the other half of our slate, which are projects that we're developing. 
And this one's really cool. So it's a um, it's it's the best way to think of it. It's, it's set in the Old West. It's a female protagonist. Uh, the way to kind of think of it is if you're familiar with True Grit, you know, uh, that sort of storyline. The difference is, uh, you know, where a, uh, a young girl's, um, you know, parents are murdered and she sets out to get vengeance. The difference is, is that whereas in True Grit, you know, the girl hooks up with, you know, some badass cowboys. Um, you know, the girl is kind of the badass. She's like a Katniss Everdeen um, sort of character that goes out to seek revenge to avenge her family. And it's a really cool script. It won Slam Dance uh, a few years ago. And uh, it's, we've got a great director that's attached to it and producer. And what we wanted to do, I mean, it's really difficult to get a Western um, you know, produced in Hollywood and, you know, uh, especially a female driven Western. It's a lot easier now than it was a couple of years ago. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, one of the things that we thought that we could do, that we could, a way that we could use the Legion was to engage them with the process by creating a comic book. So we went out to some amazing uh, female comic book artists and we basically produced a comic book that, you know, covers um, kind of a important sequence in the movie script of the film. It's not the whole film. It kind of takes place in the early middle stages of it. Um, but it tells the story of, you know, girl with no name and one of her very first uh, encounters. And what's really cool about it is, is, you know, two things, like I said, you know, so we're, we're, we're launching a, on Kickstarter. We're launching the comic book. Um, we've already actually made the comic book. We're just using Kickstarter uh, for the pre-sales uh, because it's a really cool way to, um, put together these, these packages. It's a cool way. Like we love the Kickstarter community. It's a wonderful community. And what we're using the comic book for is two things. First of all, we want to see if we can get some grassroots momentum for girl with no name, because if we walk into a studio and you've got a script versus you've got a script and you've got a comic book that is already showing that it's got a fan base and that people like it, that significantly improves your odds of being able to, you know, sell your movie or, you know, get the, the talent attached that you need to take it to the next stage. But the other part of it is, is that this, um, the style, like it takes place in the old West, but the director's style, what really sold us on this is that she's got this vision to make it not feel like your grandfather's Western, but feel more like, you know, 300 um, or, you know, maybe Sin City. Sin City is kind of like on the far end of like heavy, heavily stylized. But if you think of like um, uh, 300 or, um, oh gosh, what's that spy movie? Um, Kingsman, mm. um, uh. you know, where it's this bright colors and, and this, this highly stylized uh, sort of thing. So that it, again, it doesn't feel like a dusty old Western. It feels like an action movie, you know, a stylized action movie that happens to be set in the old West. And what better way to flesh out the, the visual style than using a comic book. So it, you know, what we're doing is we're releasing this comic book. We've got like different variant covers that have kind of different artistic styles. Um, and when you buy, if you choose to buy one of these comic books, it, you're, you're buying more than just the comic book. You're actually 
getting involved in the process. And so after the Kickstarter is done, we're going to be doing like online development meetings with the director and the producer. Um, we haven't cast the movie yet. So we're going to go out to all these people for casting suggestions. We want to hear your feedback on like, what do you think of this visual style? What do you think of these different options that we gave you for visual styles? You know, what, what suggestions do you have? And so it's really like this kind of, unheard of opportunity to be involved with the development of something very early in the process. And, you know, this is our first time doing something like this. It's our first time doing a comic book, but we really love the whole process. It's so powerful uh, and so valuable for the director to be able to get that sort of feedback and that engagement early on that uh, if it works out, we'd love to do this, uh, frankly, with, with more of our development projects. Well, you definitely got me and Gene excited. I could tell oh, you that. Yeah, uh, excellent. <laughs> yeah, we, we will do everything we can to, to, to put the good word out there. And uh, last thing before we wrap up, because we're running out of time, uh, what can you say about the Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Mm. Kevin Smith is awesome. Um, you know, he we we've had the pleasure of working with Kevin Smith on a number of projects um, with Stanley. We did a virtual reality um, shoot uh, inside of Stan's home with him uh, about a year and a half before he passed away. Uh, that is really special. It's it's literally it's Kevin Smith uh, spending an hour and a half talking with Stan in virtual reality, asking Stan, you know about his life, everything from the creation of Spider-Man and running Marvel through the golden age of comics um, up to the deeper questions, like what was the hardest day of your life and how did you get through it? And uh, what we ended up with was some amazing, um, you know, footage that we're in the process right now of, of, you know, post-production and figuring out how we're going to release and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, we worked with Kevin on that project and then we did the Stanley handprint ceremony with Kevin. And so, um, we've just kind of gradually been getting closer and closer. And when we heard that he was doing a Jay and Silent Bobbery, but we're like, yeah, just, you know, where do we sign up? And so, uh, that's one where we got in, we invested like literally even before it went into production, we were one of the first investors in it. Um, it's still, you know, a minority stake. It's not like we, we we're financing the film. We're not big enough to, to do that by ourselves yet, but uh, we're working very closely with Kevin. Um, you know, we put out um, the word that, you know, uh, for extras. Um, if you uh, are Legion M member, you get priority as far as being cast as an extra. And there's a couple different opportunities there. It's actually filming right now. So I don't know if that, if that opportunity is still available, but we're doing the set visits with him, um, you know, and as the movie comes out, it's, it's slated to come out later this, uh, this fall. Uh, and it's in production right now. They're shooting it in New Orleans. And um, um, yeah, when it's done, we're going to blow that out. And we've got some really exciting things that I, I can't talk about yet, but uh, a really yeah. interesting and cool release strategy. So if you're a Jay and Silent Bob fan, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, if you're a fan of the View Askew, uh, Askew universe, mm -hmm. um, you know, and Clerks and Mall Rats and that whole thing, uh, we definitely encourage you to come out. And, uh, um, you know, for all of the projects that I talked about, Girl With No Name, Field Guide to Evil, uh, like I said, we've got another really cool project that we're probably going to be announcing, I don't know when, within the next couple of weeks, um, for probably the biggest movie that we've been involved in yet. Uh, and something that's going to be coming out uh, this summer. Um, but uh, you can just go to legionm.com. You can sign up. 
Um, I mentioned, you know, uh, our, our, we're a fan-owned company, you know, so are the whole idea is that we're trying to get a million investors in the company. Um, you can invest right now. We don't have a round open. Everything we do is regulated by the SEC. So, you know, there's only certain times that we can raise money and certain amounts. And, you know, we've got to do audited financial statements that we post publicly. And so there's um, a lot of kind of like work that we have to do to, to be able to show that we're buttoned up and show where every penny of the money is going and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, but aside from investing, you don't have to invest to be a part of Legion M. You can join for free. You can join today. Just go to legionm.com. You can join Legion M. And when you become a member, a free member of Legion M, there's no cost. There's no obligation. It just gets you in the loop. And, you know, we let you know, uh, when all of these things are happening and you can come out and you can see for yourself what it's all about. We've got a members only Facebook group that you can join, um, you know, to be a part of the community and uh, help us change the world. Mr. Jeff Anderson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I, I, this was a fantastic discussion. Thank yeah. you to Gene for setting this up. Thanks mm-hmm. for everyone who listens and on YouTube, SoundCloud, Patreon, etc. cetera. Uh, Jeff, last thing, any social medias where people should find you and everything you do at Legion M? Yeah, um, I'm I so Legion M official at Legion M official. That's Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook uh, and YouTube, I believe, as well. Um, Those are kind of the four channels. Uh, And uh, like I said, if you join Legion M and you join the members only Facebook group, you'll see Paul and myself and all the other executives of Legion M, um, you know, chatting there and and interacting uh, when we get a chance. And so uh, that's the best place to uh, to follow us and be a part of it all. Nice. Again, thank you very much. Uh, Gene, plugs for you. Um, yeah, just find me on Twitter, Instagram, Gene9892. And you can find me at twitter.com slash D-E-G-G-O waffles. Check out the Waffle Press again on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Patreon. Uh, links to everything else we do uh, on our Twitters, etc. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. <laughs> I love it.